a balanced approach to giving, next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It's not the most comfortable subject to discuss, but God has a lot to say about it in His Word, so it should freely be discussed. We're talking about giving, the right and wrong way to go about it today on Abounding Grace. When you give, is it out of reluctance or some sort of obligation? We'll be introduced to a group of Christians that had a much better motivation than that. They gave because they loved the Lord and cared about those around them. They gave liberally above and beyond their ability. Let's hear more about this as we join Pastor Ed Taylor in 2 Corinthians 8. You just might see that you've had the wrong mentality about giving and need a change of perspective. Chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians cover the topic of giving. And there is an expectation if you're a follower of Jesus Christ to give. That's the same for the church in Corinth and the new believers in the first century as it is today. There really isn't any way around this biblical truth and a lot of people like to move around and use different ways of you know tithing and giving and how much and there's no however you come down on the topic of giving you can't eliminate it from the bible and you know how there is that sense where people get uncomfortable when you're talking about giving in a church maybe even some of you are uncomfortable right now i don't know but this is what i have found the people that give are not uncomfortable about talking about giving. That it's not an uncomfortable topic for them. As a matter of fact, you talk to some that are faithful givers, and they have been, they go, it's an encouraging topic because you're teaching us what the Bible says, and we want to obey what the Bible says, and we want to be good and right with our Lord with all that he's entrusted to us. Generally, and it may or may not apply to you, those that are uncomfortable with the topic of giving don't give. And it becomes a place of conviction. And, it, and there's reasons why you don't give, I'm sure. Things could be tough right now. You may have gotten burned in a previous ministry or church or somebody on TV misrepresenting God or a whole host of reasons. But there's no way to get around this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, what do you have that you did not receive? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 says, and you are not your own, you were bought at a price. And there's a lot of tension and a lot of frustration in the lives of many believers directly related to living in disagreement with this truth, with this doctrine. We belong to Jesus. He's our pastor. He's our leader. And much too often when the topic of giving comes up, and it could be other topics, but because this is the section of scripture we're in, the topic of giving, many times the answer when it comes to giving is, not so, Lord. Does that sound familiar? That was said earlier by a man by the name of Peter. Peter was given great fresh insight. He was given teaching that was going to radically change his view of human beings. 
He was now going to see, God wanted him with that vision of the, of the animals coming down in the sheet in his vision. God was going to show him that what he calls clean, don't call unclean. But it was a challenge to him. It was a challenge to him because he was raised a different way. It was a challenge to him because the culture that he grew up in saw the Gentiles or saw anyone other than Jews as a different class of people. And God, through this vision, was going to make it crystal clear. Now, Jesus came and made it clear, but now he's going to stamp it home and say, no, 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 no. Rise up and eat, Peter. Rise up and go to the Gentiles. And Peter says, not so, Lord. In the Greek, the original language in the New Testament, when Peter says, not so, Lord, it's like really strong language. It's not just some, no, no, thank you. It's like, absolutely no way I'm not going to do it, God. Now, I would say that's pretty strong language. (laughs) Not so, Lord. The word here for Lord is the Greek word kurios. It refers to someone that you belong to. When you call someone Lord, you're acknowledging that you belong to. To him. And so in the topic of giving, the choice is not ours. Now you still have a choice, but God has made it clear that of all that we have and all the increase that we ever see, we're to give unto the Lord. Now let's pick up in verse 1 of chapter 8 on this topic of giving. We'll review where we were last time. And moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. He's using the Macedonians as an example to the Corinthians that even in their great trial and even in their deep poverty, those in Macedonia in the upper area of Greece gave liberally. They gave generously. They gave honestly. We looked at that last time. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship to the ministering of the saints. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Two times do you notice that giving is referred to as a grace. It's referred to with this word grace. It is an act of grace. It is a joyful, gracious thing to give unto the Lord. And Paul's reminding them and using the Macedonians, he's telling them, come on, guys. You said you were going to do it. Let's do it. Be faithful. Now, if we're taking notes and we piece these studies together... As you're taking notes, the topic that we began last week on grace giving would be to give liberally. And that was the focus of our time last week. Today we can add two more. Giving liberally, giving according to your ability, and also freely. So just three words. Liberally, ability, and freely. You can think of these as hooks when you're reminded of the topic of giving. Because that's what we learn in this section. Now, even though we touched on it last time, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. And the Jerusalem church is struggling in a huge way. 
they're hurting financially. It's been a very rough time for them, and financially they're strapped, they're poor, they're struggling and hurting and in a tremendous need. You could say that the church is desperate for help. And in this desperate situation, the churches of Macedonia, under, their, under no pressure, no guilt trip, they, they have a heart to help another church. They're giving above and beyond their tithes and offerings so that a gift of money would be delivered to the Jerusalem church leadership so that they could use to help the needs of the congregation that's hurting. And Macedonia is involved, and now Paul's saying, Corinthians, you said you were going to do it, and now it's time to give. And what does he say? He says in verse 3, I bear witness, he's still describing the Macedonians, that according to their ability, so they were giving according to their, to their ability, but they went above and beyond, it says, they went beyond their ability in their giving. Now later on, we're going to study in chapter 9 that Paul will teach us not to give with a grudge, not to give out of pressure, not to give out of constraint, really any other human motive that someone might use to extract money from you in God's name. Don't do it. And we'll get to that later, but I would even say this, don't, not giving with a grudge means, it, I mean, if you're grudgingly giving to this church or your church, if you call another church home, just keep it. I could say that for here. I'm the pastor. Just keep it. Keep it between you and the Lord. Use it on ice cream. You know, buy yourself a new car. Do whatever you want with it. Don't give it grudgingly. God says don't give it grudgingly. So either get rid of the grudge or the constraint or just keep it. It's between you and the Lord. Now, it's better to do what God says. It's better to give freely and joyfully and happily. But, you know, God's not interested. God, God doesn't need your money. Make it that easy. Just make it easy. He doesn't need your money. We don't need your money. God wants our obedience. And God can do anything with money, without money. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We'll get to that in chapter 9. But it's important for you to grasp, even Paul has it on his heart as he's writing chapter 8. He hasn't said it yet, but it's there. Because he's writing. He's not writing a word and going to bed. He's writing this, flowing out this letter. So that is already on his heart. But he does want them to give. And he does want them to help the other church to give freely, to give according to your ability. That means you can't compare yourself to other people when you give because your abilities are different. Where your ability is today could be different next year. And where your ability is just to the person sitting next to you, you may have just gotten a job and the person next to you may be unemployed. So according to your ability, where you're at, what God has allowed you to have. But even then, when your heart is touched by love, you go above and beyond. Isn't that what Jesus taught in the beginning of Matthew? To go the extra mile? To have that heart? You're doing it not out of constraint, but because you want to. But in verse 5, well, verse 4, he talks about imploring them with much urgency that we would receive the gift. Macedonians were eager to get the gift over. But this is key, verse 5. So how do I get there? How do I have a heart to give? You know, especially those of you that don't give at all and haven't given and just sort of enjoy the benefits of uh, the fellowship family of God, whether in this church or any other church, but you don't give. You just keep everything to yourself. How, how does you develop a heart of giving if that's you? Or you've just been praying lately and the Lord's been speaking to you to go above and beyond. How do you get there? 
what do you need? Do you need some fancy project from the church? Do we need some building program? Do we need to get the professionals in here and, and let's just stir up the... Con- How do you get from a place of lack of giving or giving to your ability to giving beyond your ability just by faith, trusting in the Lord, giving maybe you had some money set aside and you're just like, you know, I'm giving what I have but my heart is just, I want to use this set aside for the things of God. How do you get there? I'm glad you asked. Verse 5, and this they did, not as we had hoped. They had hoped. What did they had hoped? They just gave according to their ability. But Paul says they did more than that. But they first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of God. What does that mean? I think it's, I have it underlined. It's just so sweet. They first gave themselves to the Lord. You know what it means? It means that you remember who you are and what God has done for you. You remember the goodness of God and the grace of God and his unending love for you. When we give, it comes from us. It comes through us in abundance, freely. When you recognize, man, you give yourself to the Lord. Turn over to Ephesians. Let me show you something Paul writes in another place. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 with me. You give yourself, it makes this area of giving, this area of obedience, this grace. It's such a gracious thing to give unto the Lord. It's such a gracious thing to help a brother. It's such a gracious thing to help another church. To help other churches that are wrestling or struggling or are going through a time of difficulty where your congregation for 14 years, whether you've been a part of Calvary for 14 years or you've been a part of Calvary for four years or you've been a part of Calvary for four weeks, you need to know that a lot of help flows from this church to help other churches in our city. We don't, we don't publicize it. We don't announce it. We don't put it up on the screens because it's unto the Lord. And there's a lot of hurting churches in town. There's a lot of hurting pastors in town. There's a lot of hurt going on around. And, and we have the same philosophy. You know, the ministry of Jerusalem, the home base, we take care of home. And so there's a benevolence ministry here. If you have a need, just ask. And a pastor will sit down with you and talk about your need and open the Bible with you and help you where the Lord would allow and where the Lord would lead. And then there's Judea and Samaria. So we have a neighborhood here in Aurora, Denver, the metro area, where we have relationships with a lot of different churches, a lot of different denominations. I've got pastor friends from just about every denomination that you can think of. God's doing a great work and a wonderful work. And there are times when we have the benefit of being able to help them and encourage them, sometimes in a small way, sometimes in a large way. And then there's the ministry of the world where there have literally in our missions, we're not just supporting missionaries, but we're supporting churches. Just like we see here in the New Testament. I think that when you and I do what's right and what God commands and what God tells us to do, he blesses that. I believe that. I know it's simple, but I believe it. I believe that when you and I will read the Bible and do what it says, God blesses that. Do you know, I believe he always blesses that. Now, don't get me wrong. I go, well, what did you give, Ed, and how much did you get back? That's not the kind of blessing I'm thinking of. So, okay, let's set this up, and we'll give this much, and then God will give us a hundredfold. That's nonsense. The blessing is just being obedient. That's where it starts. Where not only do you give, think about what this feels like. And some of you can. I'm not describing something you don't know. 
But when you are touched to, to bless someone or to give to someone, but you're so touched by the Spirit that you give above and beyond what you even thought you were going to do, there's something special about that. Nobody told you to do it. Nobody twisted your arm. Nobody guilted you. Nobody, you know, made fun of you. No, it was just you and the Lord. And you were first touched, and then in that, just you turned your attention to the Lord. And in that, God began to lead you to do more, more than you even thought. And, and, you know, it could be money. It could be time. It could be your giftings, your talent, just giving of yourself. But how do you get there? You've got to first give yourself to the Lord. You've got to first give yourself to the Lord. Let me give you the opposite of that. The opposite of that is that, well, you haven't done anything for me. That's the exact extreme of giving yourself first to the Lord. Well, wait a minute. I'm hearing about all this giving. You haven't done anything for me. First, give yourself to the Lord. Get back to what's important. Get back to the place. A lot of times there is... There are needs in your life because you don't ask. Isn't that what Jesus said? We don't have because we don't ask. Or another reason why there are needs in our lives is not because someone didn't help, but the Bible says that when you pray, you ask amiss. It's a crooked desire. And God's answer to that crooked desire is no. And so there's a lot of different reasons. So I don't know what the reason is, but I do know this. If you obey... If you obey first giving yourself to the Lord, God will bless that. I know he will. But not, not only that, how do you do that? Verse 1, Paul says this. This is Ephesians 4. If you guys got there. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I believe he means that literally and spiritually, beg you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. I beg you, I exhort you, I, I want I want to... Paul says, I'm coming alongside of you. Please have a work worthy of the calling with which you were called. Paul begs them to remember their calling and have a walk that's worthy of it. Have a walk worthy of your relationship with Jesus and all that that means. All that he's done for you, all that he's doing, and all that he's going to continue to do in our lives. So often we want to have a walk that's separate from that calling that's separate from his work in our lives, trying to live right before being first being right. And we step out backwards. We step out not out of grace, but with this desire to work hard and to please God with our own strength and our own wisdom. And so sermons are heard and seminars are attended and books are read. And, and we're after the, the right things, aren't we? We want a happy home, so we'll pick up a book on a happy home. And we want to have a strong marriage, so we'll pick up a book on a strong marriage. And we want to learn how to use our finances, and so we have classes here. And so we'll take one of the classes, and I think all of that is awesome. That's why we have them. We want to help you in every stage of your life to be a more compelled, strong disciple, a follower of Jesus. But not backwards. Not backwards. Not walking into a class thinking, you know, if I take this class... Everything's going to be great, not backwards. Because if you don't first have a walk that's worthy of your calling, then you're just going to take what you learn and you're just going to try to do it in your own strength. And you're going to end up in the, class, in the next class of, I know you took the marriage class, but now your marriage is worse. You're going to take that class next. And you go, how did I get here? 
Didn't we just spend eight weeks learning about our marriage? Yes, but you did it backwards. You didn't first give yourself to the Lord. You gave yourself to a class. Now, I think that's great, and if that's all you do, do it, because even the Holy Spirit can use that, but it will often lead to frustration. Because the only reason you even care about that class is because of what God has done for you. And the only reason you want what's right in your marriage is because God loves you, and he sent his son Jesus to die for you. That even in your worst condition, I mean, really, I don't know what your worst condition is. You really don't even know what my worst condition was. You don't really want to know. But I know in my worst condition, the love of God still reached out to me. Was still chasing, the Spirit of God was still chasing after me, trying to convince me of God's love, trying to bring conviction of sin in my life. And when I walk into a class knowing what God has done for me, then that knowledge is absorbed and the Spirit of God in me lives out the truths that I learn. It's a big difference. We first present ourselves to the Lord, recognizing how loved we are, how we are the very precious people of God, how we stand in the grace of God, how we have been given as believers every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. But here's the danger. The danger is that we can begin to think, even in the topic of giving as well, that in our walk that's worthy, we, we begin to think that we're the initiators with God. And somehow it depends upon us. And this is what that sounds like, what it, what it feels like at times, what it might even come. If I just pray enough, or if I just give enough, or if I just do enough, then God will bless me. Listen, God has blessed you. It's already done. You and I are living under the gracious blessing of God right now. And if today you don't have a relationship with God, if you've never repented of your sin, you're living in an incredible gracious patience of God waiting for you. Do you know the Bible says that God's patience is unto salvation? And what what that means is that God is waiting. And in his waiting, he's waiting for you to respond. It's giving you time. Every breath that you take, it's giving you time. Every day that you live is giving you time. Every week, every month, God's patience is specifically in for you in your life, for your salvation. And those of us that have experienced salvation, it's not about praying enough or doing enough or giving enough. Those things will lead, if that's the focus, will lead to frustration and disappointment. Let me give you an example. So the topic's giving, and, and God's been speaking about giving, and so now you really feel a burden to start giving, so you write a big check, you put it in the, in the offering box, and tomorrow you wake up feeling the same way. You go, but God, I gave. I obeyed. Why hasn't anything changed? You know, God, I'll give more. So now you, you know, just like, well, I'm going to go online. Da-da-da, I'm going to put it. And now I'm going to give more. And, and then you wake up the next day and you're like, God, nothing's changed. I did what the pastor said. I gave. Did I give enough? Uh, you didn't really do what the pastor said because you first give yourself to the Lord. You first recognize what God has done for you. You don't give to God to get. You give to God because it belongs to him, just like you do. That bears repeating. You don't give to God to get, but because it belongs to Him. 
Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor has been in the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going through the epistle from start to finish. To hear today's message again, go to calvaryco.church. And we have a couple of apps we'd like to recommend that are free and available on all platforms. This is another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings, including this present series in 2 Corinthians. Search for Calvary Aurora and download our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app, too. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to delivering God's Word to people all across the world, but we can't do it alone. We're very thankful for the listeners that come alongside us with financial and or prayerful support. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. And if you'd like to help us reach people with the love and truth of Christ, please visit calvaryco.church or call 877-30-GRACE. And as you give $25 or more today, we'll say thanks by sending you contented in all things peace. Does contentment seem sort of like an elusive target to you? We live in a world that pushes us to always strive for more and never be satisfied with what we have. That certainly doesn't help matters, does it? But the Lord wants us to experience true contentment and peace, and it can happen. And the Bible points the way. Allow Pastor Jeff Geip to reveal the pathway to contentment to you in this book called Contentment. Call 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryco.church on the web to make a secure donation. We'll get right back into 2 Corinthians tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.